With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. And after the red season got off to a disappointing start last weekend after a lacklustre 2-2 draw away to Fulham, on this week's pod we'll be looking ahead to Monday evening's game at Anfield as Klopp's side take on Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace. So joining us this week to lend us his thoughts on the evolution Palace has been going through under Vieira and how they'll fare this season, I'm happy to welcome back Jay Crane from the Crystal Palace fan site The Eagles Beak. Welcome back Jay. Thank you, yeah it's good to be back. Yeah, no, it's good to speak with you again. Um, we were just chatting a little bit before. I mean, I feel like a similar conversation yeah. I've had with quite a few, uh, sort of fans or journalists who are covering the game around. Are you, yeah, are you ready? Are you, <laughs> are you ready for it to start again? And, um, yeah, it feels like it has been, um, you know, it doesn't feel like it has been a shorter break than we're used to. Uh, and, um, yeah, obviously with the World Cup, um, sort of sandwiched in between this, this season very weirdly. It's going to be quite an intense opening, uh, sort of few, few weeks and months for sure, for sure. So, uh, um, great to have you back on. Actually, been sort of looking forward to this one, actually, because I think, I think last time we spoke, it was all around, you know, the possibility, uh, of, of Yera and sort of the early signs of what you'd seen from him. But yeah, finally, sort of we can talk about sort of his first full season as manager of Palace and, uh, obviously finishing 12th. Um, and just want to go back to that a little bit. Finishing twelfth in the league, uh, I wanted to ask you. I mean, what, what were some of your overarching thoughts on how on, on how the season had gone then? Because uh, I remember there was so much you were looking forward to seeing, and I think by the end of it, I think um, your your boys were a credit to themselves. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, roll back a season, well, roll back a year even, and obviously Patrick Vieira. Um, it was common knowledge that he wasn't our first choice. Whether that was true or not is, is is difficult to know. He he came in towards the latter end of the summer, really. Um, so I was always playing catch up a fair bit, and there was a lot, there was a fair bit of excitement, but trepidation at the same time, um, as I spoke about last time when I came on. Um, but overall, you know, when you when you look back over the season, Vieira and and, and the team overachieved really uh, when when you consider, you know, he was down as the first man to be sacked in the Premier League. Um, and then we went on a, uh, a decent run of games and got to the FA Cup semi-final. Um, all those hopes and dreams dashed by a by a Chelsea team. But yeah. you know, when you look back over it, 
very exciting season. We played some very exciting football. We had very exciting players. The, the, the summer transfer window last summer, I mean, the media made a, a massive meal out of the fact that we were losing, you know, quite a, quite a number of players who, you know, what wasn't mentioned was the fact that they're all on pretty high wages, the players that we lost. So, you know, it was kind of a free, a blank canvas, as it were, was for Vieira and Dougie Freeman. I have to mention Dougie Freeman as our kind of sporting director who's done a brilliant job as, um, you know, leading those transfers and getting players in because, you know, he, he seems to have a bit of an eye for talent. If Vieira would have pinpointed a few players that he'd have wanted, but actually a couple of those players came in around the same kind of time as Vieira was appointed. So, you know, he can't take the plaudits for all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great season for us. We enjoyed the the move away from the Roy Hodgson era, uh, which was always very secure, uh, never in, in any trouble um, in, a, in a, the bottom part of the, the, uh, the Premier League, uh, which is a credit to Roy. Yeah, I know Liverpool's fans' views on Roy Hodgson, but he did a great job for us. Um, but obviously the football we were watching wasn't very exciting. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get with a Roy Hodgson side. You are going to be hard to beat, but actually on the flip side, you know, you're not going to score a lot of goals, um, but you're going to be safe. So for a period of time, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, actually, Palace fans are starting to reach out for, you know, we've got some exciting players. We've got some exciting players coming through the ranks of Palace. Um, and some of the acquisitions that we've made, Michael Elise is, is one. We've actually carried on doing the same thing. Uh, Michael Aboe, who we've got from Derby, who is a very exciting youngster. Um, he's, he's, he's played in a few friendly matches and, and, and he's going to be, he's going to be another Michael Elise, I think, in the fact that, you know, uh, Vieira won't play him early on. You know, he'll start playing him in games where he, where he thinks he can have an impact. And, uh, and and kind of pick and choose where, you know, uh, you know, his kind of introduction to the Premier League, I would say, because he's 18 years old, very similar to the way he treated Lisa. And that's that's come come very good, you know, looking back over the course of last season. But, yeah, you know, I, I think if you had said that we'd have had an exciting season um, or we were, we were told you were going to have an as exciting season as we did, stay up, 12th place. FA Cup semi-final, hmm. I think we'd have laughed at people, uh, to be quite honest with you, um, because that's a lot of evolution over a short period of time. But it worked. It's worked, and we're looking forward to this season. Yeah, I, I think it says a lot for the work that Vieira's done, actually. Obviously, uh, you're, you're right to mention the recruitment that's gone in there to actually give him the tools to to work with. But yeah, yeah it's funny yeah. that you mention that, actually, that you remind me of the fact that yeah, he was um, odds-on to be the first manager sacked and then it's all be coming yeah, to was. coming to this season and I think the guy who was one of the not one of the more leading candidates and I think uh, mm. I believe turned t- turned down the job Frank Lampard is now the uh, the the bookie's favorite to be sacked from Everton so it's <laughs> so funny how things um do work well, out. interestingly, one of the other managers that we offered a job to, Nuno Santos, uh, uh, was obviously, obviously sacked from Spurs. So, yeah. you know, when you consider that fact as well, uh, you know, we did pretty. I mean, it's all it's all media talk, isn't it? I mean, yeah, when of we, you know, what we believe is, um, you know, is take a pinch of salt. But actually, yeah, those are the rumours that are flying around, and I think, I think we made the right choice in the longer term. So, which mm. is which is always good. Yeah, I think so, and I think. One thing I wanted to sort of check on was, I mean, last season, I think you, there were a number of really strong individual performances that season, but obviously the mm. team, team really came together as well in terms of sort of a, um, sort of pretty well oiled unit that were working for each other, mm. I thought. But, um, I, I want to ask, I mean, when, when everything clicked for a Vieira Crystal Palace side, 
what did that actually look like? What was sort of the the tactical shape you were seeing on the pitch? What were what was the the, the philosophy that you think Vieira was was trying to instill? Because it's quite a big challenge to change things around from mm. where you were at the end of the the Hodgson era. Admittedly, lots of players mm. leaving helps that helps that out. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when everything was sort of clicking, what what was that uh, vision that Vieira was trying to uh, convey? Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> it, it really was. I mean, Vieira has become, it's become clear over the course of the season because obviously Vieira is new to us and, and new to the Premier League and you know, hasn't really had a lot of experience in management. So it's difficult to kind of know what we were going to expect from him but as a manager uh, and, uh, and as a personality even uh, in and around the club. Um, it didn't take too long for us to actually get to grips with how how he is, um, you know, with, with, with the players and, and particularly Wilfred Zaha. I think, I think a lot of that has come um, out of some of the um, videos and images that uh, you know the media team at Palace have done a great job to actually share over the course of the season. I think that's a big, big part of us being able to keep Wilf over the course of last season, um, his respect for Vieira and that kind of thing. So it, it, it's kind of shown us that he's a very good man manager. Um, he likes to exert himself onto the players in that, you know, something like Conor Gallagher, you know, he put him into the position, he, he saw he saw promise in Conor Gallagher last season, put him into the position where, you know, he could he, he could he could have an impact in games. You know, when he was on loan at West Brom, he was played as a defensive midfielder, which isn't, you know, isn't his game. We we, we played him there in, uh, in necessity, really, uh, on a couple of occasions when we were kind of having, had a few injuries and that, and it, he just wasn't as productive in that area. But the free reign behind the front three, you know, his energy and his his harrying of players and, you know, his quality on the ball was just, you know, was just excellent. And, and Vieira saw that in him, um, you know, and that's why he had such a good first half of the season. He did fade as the season went on. Um, his second half wasn't quite as good. But actually, when everybody was playing together, you had the likes of Gallagher with that, you know, his tenacity and the, the closing down and the real, the real, high, the, real, the real high tempo game that we were playing as a, as a, as a team. You know, you had the likes of, well, Mateta kind of made the, 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 the lead striker all his own, which was a surprise in, you know, on its own. But actually, it kind of worked with the likes of Elise and Zaha either side of him. And then you had Gallagher behind. Um, but actually building from the back, you know, I think the biggest surprise to us last season was having two centre-backs that can play with the ball. We've not seen that at Palace for a long, long time. You know, we're used to central defenders banging out the pitch or, or maybe, you know, the old crossfield ball from Damien Delaney or something like that. But actually having two players like Mark Gay and uh, Joachim Anderson in particular who can who can ping that ball out wide, who can ping that ball into a position where actually we're all of a sudden on the attack. And, you know... Yeah, I saw a compilation recently, called... actually, of him sort of pinging diagonals. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. It was great. I mean, he, he, was, he, was, he was doing that against Arsenal uh, on Friday night. Um, you know, quite often he was outstanding on Friday. I know we lost two nil, but you know, as a centre back, and he's, you know, he was he was everywhere. He was pinging balls left, right, centre. And what was the, what was quite interesting was that he was he took a couple of youngsters, uh, younger players out um, before the game, and was doing exactly that. You know, from the centre of kind of the edge of the penalty area, he was pinging balls, just warming up, and you know, in front of the crowd, which was uh, which is quite interesting to see. So, so those two alone, you know, Mark Gay coming from Chelsea for 20 million. I mean, Chelsea spending loads of money on centre backs. How they never kept him and never saw the promise in him, I'll never know. But hey, it's all it's it. You know, we've mm. we've gained from that hugely because he's obviously played for England now. He's got a chance of going to the World Cup and. 
I say in the summer, it's not even in the summer, it's in the winter, I must get used to saying that. Um, um, yeah, and, and, and obviously him alongside Joachim Anderson have been, they, they were fantastic last season as a pairing. Um, and obviously in the middle, you had the workers in the middle, like James McArthur had a fantastic season, very underrated players, getting on in age a bit now. Um, but, you know, Liverpool fans will know that from like so James Milner and, and, and uh, a few other players like that, that, you know, they just do a job, you know, without people really noticing, but they, you know, really, they really, but, you know, Give the ball, you know, win the ball and give the ball to the players that can do things like Wilf and Elise. You had likes of Eze coming into the side as well. You had uh, Edward as well, who could come off the bench and, and really threaten from a different kind of capacity as, as Matessa. I think the biggest thing that we've got is that, you know, we all thought a lot of players leaving. How are we going to replace that many players? But actually, we started last season with more options than we ever did have, you know, for an awful long time since we've come up to the Premier League. I mean, this is our... Um, is it ninth consecutive season in the Premier League, um, which is a record for the club. So, you know that that you know that can't be underestimated either. That is a tremendous achievement for a football club of our size and you know our past, our history, and that. So, and and we've evolved with it this season. There's always that element of second season syndrome. You know, you say about you know promoted teams, but I think same can be said for managers coming into clubs. I think that that can be that can be very true. But actually, the you know the right moves have been made in the summer. Um, we might talk about it a little bit later, but our preparations for the season haven't been ideal. Um, but you know, the actual players we've brought in, you know, it's again, it's very exciting. We're looking forward to the season after the back of last season, but again, there's a slight bit of trepidation because you you don't want to start running before you can walk again, do you really? And we've mm. got a really tough start to the season as well. Yeah, I think it's probably sort of a good segue to talk about preseason because I, I mean, I never sort of put too much. Uh, emphasis on the results that you see in preseason, um, mm-hmm. but like obviously it's all the importance of it from a fitness perspective, from a team sort of mm-hmm. cohesion perspective, new signings gelling, getting sort of the culture of the club, sort of cliques can not cliques, but sort of friendship groups can develop and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, managers obviously want to get players in as soon as possible, get them on preseason, and really have time to implement those tactical ideas. I think that's, that's actually going to be very interesting this season as well with. The opening to the season being so spaced out for, you know, the, quite a few clubs here, obviously, yeah, more time to actually work on tactics for, for once. And, uh, uh even the, the five subs that's been introduced this season as well. I think, as you were mentioning with some older players, like Jason MacArthur, um, Milner on our side, I think it really benefits those players. You know, they can, they, they can come in, have, um, sort of different roles and sort of there's less on it than there is when they're, they're one of only three subs that you can, that you can put onto the pitch. But I, I wanted to ask you, because I only heard bits and pieces, but what I'd heard was obviously that half the squad you know, went on preseason, the other half didn't. I, I, I'll admit, I actually never uh, ended up reading as to why that was. I, I, I think at one stage I suspected it was COVID or something, uh, but I didn't actually understand what, what the reason was. Why was it so, so, such a disrupted um, preseason? Well, I think this tour, I don't know if it's the same for Liverpool, but this tour um, to... Um, sort of Singapore and yeah. uh, Australia was was a commitment from you know the COVID days. So I think the the summer, yeah. the first yeah. summer of uh, the year was it twenty twenty that COVID came around. I can't remember the year now. Um, but yeah, going back to them, we were committed. We were about to go on this tour uh, that summer. Cause obviously, these sort of arrangements are in place. You know, long before a season finishes and that kind of thing. You know, long before they're actually revealed to. to, to um so that that commitment was there and as soon as everything you know kind of settled down then obviously this summer was the summer that you know the club was going to go um there's, 
been a lot of rumours about why the squad was split in half. I mean, it's effectively split in half. You had the the squad that went to uh, you know went to this uh, overseas. Um, it wasn't even a tournament, was it? It was like one-off games here and there. Um, was a real mixture of uh, youngsters from the uh, academy. We have a very strong academy at the moment, to be honest. But you know, new academy is open, um, and it's interesting to note there's a there's a new series on Channel Four actually starting tomorrow night, which is focused on the Palace Academy, uh, which is supposed to be very good. Um, which is interesting to see how academies work and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, but yeah, really impressed with um, how things have gone. But and, it, and it's great for these youngsters to have that experience. But I think you know when you've got half your first team squad come into a Premier League season. Uh, the other side of the world and the other half back here. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that, I think that showed a little bit in the Arsenal game and the Arsenal came into the game ready. They had a really good pre-season. Arsenal did a, uh, heading into the game on Friday. They looked, they looked ready for the start of the season. I think we looked a little bit different to that. And, you know, while we made a game of it, um, I think it was evident that actually Arsenal had a really good preparation for the season and, and hit the ground running. So I think there's an element of that. Um, I think the problem we have is that we've got out of four games, we've got three of the top six pretty much teams in the first four games of the season, which is which is a really tough start for us. But I guess it gets those games out of the way in a way. The rumours around why it was um, COVID jabs, um, players having COVID or not or whatever or having parties, right. stuff like that. So there was a lot of um, yeah conversation about that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean obviously I think I think Singapore. Is a very strict country for COVID passes and um, COVID vaccinations and things like that, which is one of the countries that Palace visited uh, and played games. But hmm. I, I have this, I have this real big issue about, you know, we went out there and played. I mean, no disrespect to you guys, Liverpool, United, and Leeds, we played abroad. I get the whole marketing of the Premier League, but it's boring playing the same teams you're going to play in a season. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather play, I'd rather play teams out in those countries or teams from Italy or Spain. Yeah, no offence to you know, but I'm sure you guys feel the same um, in the you know play, playing against Premier League sides. I know the fans out there want to see Premier League, but you know I I, I just thought it felt a little bit disjointed from our perspective because of that fact that we had a split in the squad. But actually, we had as many friendlies back here. Um, I went to the QPR friendly. We played QPR at Loftus Road the, the week before their season started. Um, and we were very good. Um, we had a mixture of youngsters and first-team players, Alexis Zaha, Benteke, Anusai, Ndekore, Reed Wald, Will Hughes. Um, you know, there was a good selection of players on show um, that day. So, you know, we could put out two decent 11s, which is probably a far cry from the last few years, to be honest. So it probably shows, you know, the strength and depth of the squad. Hmm. Yeah, and in terms of sort of at the end of last season, when you're looking at that squad, and thinking about sort of where the obvious areas were, they what you, you could reinforce. Um, I'm interested in sort of what those areas were in your perspective, and then also based on the business you've done so far, um, how many of those you think you've covered, and if there's still a couple that you you think are you know left to be uh, addressed. Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, we've got is it three weeks to the transfer window? I, you know, I'm pretty something like that. I'm yeah. pretty yeah, I'm pretty confident there's going to be some more moves from Palace. I think we're a little bit shy of midfielders. Yeah, we're we're pretty decent. I mean, I guess when you think Benteke's just gone to uh, to the MLS, which is a shame. 
I liked uh, I like Christian Menteke, but that was uh, that was a surprise announce surprise announcement. Uh, literally an hour and a half before kickoff on Friday, uh, which was interesting. But we're we're down a striker, so I suspect that we'll be looking to bring in another striker, whether that's on loan or a or a permanent deal. And I think we're short on a couple of midfielders uh, potentially. I mean, Cheku Koate has left the club. That's probably our only loss in the summer and Martin Kelly um, didn't renew his contract. So, so they're the two, two names that have left the club, which is a huge amount in comparison to the season before um, or the summer before that. So yeah, I think a couple of midfielders, um, we brought in Chris Richards, who is a very highly rated defender um, from Bayern Munich. He, he was on loan in the Bundesliga last season, uh, played a lot of football over there and was very impressive. And I think that comes, I mean, we don't really have any like for like centre back replacements for Joachim Anderson and uh, Mark Guy. We have the likes of James Tompkins, but he's not a ball playing centre back, unfortunately. And we thought if we want to, you know, if we have either of those first two choices out for a uh, for a lengthy period, then you know it, it, we kind of take a step back from the kind of football that we want to play or under Vieira, Vieira wants to play. So Chris Richards um, will come in. There is, I mean, Vieira looks like he wants to play have options, um, particularly playing three at the back. He did try that a couple of times last season, and I think bringing in Chris Richards gives us that opportunity to do that. Um, there's question marks over whether our full-backs can play wing-back. I think that's probably a bit of a, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, so I think we're going to need upgrades in that, that, that area at some point, but that's not for this summer, I don't think. Um, Decore's coming, um, Great which is a very good... Yeah, really good signing. Um, saw him at QPR. He played first half in the midfield. Um, had some good touches. Second half, he played centre back, <laughs> which I, you know, friendlies are friendlies, aren't they? You, you know, you, you put uh, round pegs in square holes and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I was impressed with what I saw of him. Um, he looked a little bit like rabbit in headlights on Friday against Arsenal, but first Premier League game. But he what didn't, you know, he was fine. Um, I think it'll take him a few games to get up to speed, but. Um, I think he's going to be a very good player for us. Really, really excited to see how he develops over the course of the season. Um, Sam Johnson's come in, um, free free transfer um, after West Brom let him go. We seem to do well in the goalkeeping area for some reason. Um, very solid signing, uh, former England goalkeeper. Um, well, can probably still play for England. He's about 29, I think he is. Um, so we're very strong in the goalkeeping uh, area. We were expecting Jack Butland to go out on loan this season. Um, but he broke his finger out on tour. Um, so he's out for like two and a half months. So he won't be leaving the club anytime soon. So that's probably one for, for January. But we're very strong in the goalkeeping area. So, yeah, I, I don't think we're done. I think there's a, a bit more to do. Um, oh, and I did mention at the start, um, mm. Michael Abui, who we got from Derby, along with uh, uh, Luke Planche, we got in January from Derby. We loaned him back. So we've got two players from Derby there who are youngsters, very exciting. Sounds very much like noises from the club are that they're going to stay and be in the squad for the season rather than being left out, um, which is, yeah, which is going to, which is going to be good. Um, both, both young players and, it's interesting because I think a couple of seasons ago, the big the big talk of the media was about Palace having the, the highest average age of players in the Premier League, um, and now we're probably one of the lowest. Um, which you know, over the transition of what two seasons or, or, or a bit less, um, that's quite an incredible achievement to to be honest, and just proves the um, the amount of change that's happened at the club. Yeah, and obviously it's sort of really difficult to actually manage 
uh, that situation where there is such a transition of, of personnel, mm-hmm. but also the age, the age group of players and, um, you know, actually sort of get them playing in a cohesive, in a cohesive style as well. And I suppose in, in, in terms of the ins and outs that you mentioned there, are there areas where you're, you're, you're looking at and thinking, well, could still do with a different kind of striker? As, as you mentioned, Benteke heads out there. Yeah. Uh, Mm. Edouard's going to have an, another chance this season as well. I thought Matet uh, impressed towards the end of last campaign as well. Yeah. But um, yeah. what what kind of profile of striker do you think sort of the Vieira is looking for? I mean, because both Matet and sort of Edouard are sort of slightly different in terms of how they operate. But um, mm. yeah, I, I, I just wonder who you see as his, his type of centre forward. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got two different, like you say, you've got two different strikers there. And again, Benteke was different to those two as well. A lot of people liken Benteke to Mateta. Um, but when you saw them play, they were still very different, um, even though they were similar in height. They still brought different elements to the game when they when they came on. Um, particularly Benteke was very much, um, he held the ball up very well and, and that kind of thing um, and laid the ball off. And he wasn't so much of a... Striker on the front foot as such, like Mateta is. You know, he's very much put the ball into him and he'll, he'll go for it. Um, I, I, I would suspect, I mean, Luke Plange is going to be a work in progress. He's a youngster, young striker, exciting, quick. Um, whether he gets a chance, I suspect that we'll probably bring somebody else in, I would have thought. Um, somebody, uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you could say like a, a smaller kind of striker, a bit, a bit more diminutive than you've got Edouard and Mateta and somebody that's a, uh, kind of a goal poacher in a way, you know, a bit of a goal hanger, that, that kind of player. But to be honest, everyone's after that striker that scores like 15, 16 goals a season, aren't they? So if if you can guarantee that, get that guarantee from a striker, then, you know, they'd be going for a lot of money, wouldn't they? So, you know, clubs like Liverpool and Chelsea have struggled to bring in strikers to, you know, and score that many goals in a season. So it's even harder for a team like Palace who have a limit on their budget, um, and, and trying to find that kind of, you know, that, that rough diamond in a way, really, which we're hoping Luke Plange might be in the longer term, but we've yet to see really anything of him. Um, mm. He was impressive pre-season, but I suspect we'll be looking elsewhere. Um, you know, somebody, I, I just, you know, putting it out there, somebody like um, uh, Burriton Diaz of, of, of Blackburn, somebody of that kind of calibre who's a little bit more, physical uh, in calibre, a little bit more bulky and, and, and will just bully the defenders rather than we don't really have something like that, I I would say. But he's still cl- classy with it. I mean, that's just, I don't know anything about what, what, what kind of player we're after, but just thinking that that would probably complement what we already have, somebody like that. Yeah, and I think on the subject of strikers, I mean, you, you mentioned Benteke sort of heading off and sort of the way in which that was done in terms of sort of like uh, before the game that it was announced. And um, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's an interesting one in that I think that, yeah, for for a large amount of time, people derided him uh, because of sort of his struggles in front of goal for a couple seasons. And he clearly, he clearly lost a lot and had to become a different player after some of the injuries that he suffered. You think about his early Aston, Aston Villa days, but I was, I was looking at sort of a few articles on him and, uh, so they're talking about sort of how he he'll be remembered fondly and talking about his goal record and, and, and they're saying some uh, impressive stuff about his goal record and that he's a, a centre forward who scored more than Tevez, Fernando Torres, uh, Eden, mm. uh, and uh, he's he's nestled between Hazard and Burkamp, despite the fact mm. he actually played uh, thirty five fewer games than, uh, than than Dennis anyway. And uh, it's mm. actually sort of like I just wanted to ask about where you think Palace or how you think Palace fans. Uh, felt towards him by the time he did actually leave the club 
that's a really interesting one actually um benteke divided opinion uh at palace um during the game you know if he comes on a sub or, or if he starts the game it's um it was really interesting to hear how how much he divided opinion among the fans um also same on social media He's, he was always a you know a quick target to um you know to yeah for people to blame um during games and that kind of stuff which is a which is a shame really because like you say you know is 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 an established striker in the premier league you know when you read out those stats i think people forget a lot of that in that actually you know he's he's in he's above very good company isn't he let's face it you mentioned dennis bergkamp for one i mean you know he's loud as one of the best strikers to play in the premier league but um bentek is up there with scoring records so yeah, I mean that 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 is mad. I think the problem is it's it's the here and now these days, isn't it? It's the you know you have to have the ability to have an effect there and then rather than the long game. I personally I liked Spinteke. I felt sorry for the guy who had a, a few dips in form. Um, you know, last season, the second half of last season, he was very good when he came on. Um, didn't get the runouts that probably he should have done. Um, but I think that's more because of the form of Mateta. But then you know competition is good you know particularly for strikers you need that competition um and if you've got people that are you know on the fringes of getting back into the team then it's going to push on a player that's got that spot at the moment so i think that can only be a good thing um that's probably the downside of Benteke. and and the other thing is about christian Benteke is very well liked at the club you know in terms of you know being around the club in mm. training grounds uh, there's a lot of comments about how uh, how nice a person he is and how good he is to have around the club, very positive attitude and that kind of thing, even even when he wasn't playing. So I think that kind of thing is, is gold dust, even even in football today. Um, so yeah, it's it's a shame that he's gone. Um, I, I I can't deny that I saw it coming because uh, I think you know at some point it was gonna it, it it was gonna happen. I mean he's got one eye on the World Cup later this year, and if he's not gonna get games at Palace, then you know he probably wants his what will probably be his last World Cup for Belgium. Um, you know, he will want to be in that squad. Um, and of course he would be that will be under threat if he sat on the bench at Palace. So there is an element of that uh being involved. Um I think the quickness of the announcement was because the MLS deadline, transfer deadline was yeah. midnight the night before the uh the Arsenal game. So I think D C United wanted wanted to get it out there uh, and confirm a signing. So mm. I think Palace didn't really have a a, a chance. If they'd have, if they'd have had a chance to decide when it was going to be announced, it probably would have been the Saturday, to be quite honest. But uh, but there you go. You know these things happen. And wish him well. You know I I watch the MLS and I'll, I'll look out for him playing under Rooney. I was going to say he's off sure to balls out there. Yeah, off to be managed by Wayne. Yeah, I think that um, yes. yeah things could be good actually. I, mean, I was actually quite impressed by how Rooney did uh, last season under really incredibly difficult. Circumstances, yeah. and uh, I, know, I know some I know some friends who who, who live in DC who are very actually uh, very happy to have him back. To be honest, obviously this time in a different uh, mm. a different role, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how how Benteke uh, performs over there. Um, and just just heading back to sort of Palace and then the season itself. I mean, the first game up against Arsenal, as you mentioned, they had a really felt like probably their best or more com- uh, most complete preseason for a long time. Feels like they're yeah. Um, if nothing else, everyone's on the same page, uh, and there's a, a pretty pretty coherent, seems like a coherent idea as to sort of what they want to try and do this season. Um, I know some people do feel sort of differently towards the signings that they made, but I think they think they made some pretty good business. Um, and it's it's an exciting mm-hmm. crop of young players, you know, similar to 
to yourselves. So, I mean, what did you make of that game? Did you think it was a case of the fact that, as you were saying, a little bit undercooked on the Palace side, perhaps that disjointed yeah. preseason, although Vieira was quite keen to play it down, did did have sort of an impact then. And uh, um, I mean, from from what I saw, unlucky not to actually uh, get yourselves back into that game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a good game, to be honest. You know, it's good to, uh, you know, to, to be one of the sides kicked off of the brand new season, you know, a Friday night at, at Sellers Park. Good atmosphere, really good atmosphere. And, um, yeah, it's all, it's all that hopes and dreams of a new season, isn't it, that, that, that start off. And um, I don't think we were, I mean, a lot, a lot of Palace fans are saying, you know, we play poorly, but I don't think we were that bad. Um, I think we hit an Arsenal team who were, who were on the front foot from the start. Um, they're out to impress with their new signings. Inchenko um, was very good. I thought he was uh, the man of the match. He was very good for Arsenal and gave him a different dimension, you know, down the left-hand side. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the game. It was, it was a shame. We, I mean, we had two really good chances, which Ramsdale um, pulled out really good saves. And I think that's a difference in a team like Arsenal. You know, the, the signing of Ramsdale in his form last season for them has, has forced Leno out the door. Uh, who is a very good keeper in himself. So, you know, those two saves, if we'd have put one of those away, Eze had a great chance, and Edward uh, at the other end had a good chance as well. If one of those had gone in, it could have been a different game. Uh, but obviously, you know, Arsenal pushed on, and uh, there's that own goal late on. So it wasn't much between the two sides, I don't think. Um, Vieira changed things around a little bit after that first goal. You know, it was a silly goal to concede from that set piece like it was. You know, Zinchenko was, uh, was free at the far post to head it back across goal, but um, you know, I think Vieira did enough to tighten things up, and it was a much closer game after that. And uh, and Palace, you know, came into it a lot more, had had more, had a few more chances, and it could have gone either way. Um, to be quite honest, so I'm not I'm not hugely disappointed. I think after the disjointed uh, pre-season, yeah, I think it was a decent start. It, like I say, it was always going to be a tough start having Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City in in three of the first four opening games of the season. Yeah, it gets it gets those games out of the way, um, but it's going to be a big test for us. And it just shows that we're, you know, even even the Villa game, you know, nestled in between these these first four games is is going to be one where we want to be getting points out of, even if we nick a point somewhere, you know, along the way as well. Um, it, you know, at that stage, you don't want to be at the bottom of the table after four games with zero points. We mm-hmm. we were there with uh, with a certain Dutchman. We don't want to be there again. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's another Ajax uh, Dutchman in the league at the moment. I'm not sure he's hoping for a much much better. Uh, Fate than um what was it specialist I don't know it wasn't wasn't specialist of failure was it I can't remember but there's obviously that Jose Mourinho <laughs> Jose Mourinho uh, interview I, yeah didn't take kindly to um a few comments made by uh, by by that man but um uh, in terms of expectations for the season then I think like you were talking about it's, it, it it is a tough start uh and um obviously you know you might feel differently about that when you go away to City and win. So, you know, obviously it's sort of like, you know, best of luck ahead of that. Um, yeah, anything you can do, that'd be great. Uh, but in terms of sort of uh, where you think fans' heads are, I mean, as you mentioned, second season, tougher usually sometimes. Uh, mm. you know, opposition teams usually by this stage have a lot of tape um, on you now and, and, and sort of the way in which Vieira is trying to sort of get the team playing mm. as opposed to him being completely sort of new new factor to to contend with last season that's why new signings are obviously so uh so so useful to actually sort of put players out there who oppositions have not really been able to fully scout just yet so i mean what what do you think uh where do you think fans heads are at sort of finished 12th last season um sort of again strengthen the squad in some areas perhaps could, could 
look at strengthening the squad in other areas. Do you think expectations would shift drastically if there were, if that striker did come in before the end of the window? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the excitement, you know, before leading into this season, um, this new season was always was there. It's it's probably the highest that I've seen it for for a long, long time mm. after last season. Obviously, um, the, the the tour, the the overseas tour, wasn't great publicity for us and obviously you know a lot of fans have pointed towards that as being not great build up to a new season so it may take us a few games to you know to get uh you know to get ourselves into it a little bit you know more you know similar to how arsenal started on friday i, I guess um but yeah there's a lot of excitement there um tempered again by the fact that pre-season was you know uh, poorly organized but i think you know with new faces coming in getting back to sell us and actually remembering how good palace were last season you know we weren't that far off finishing in the top 10 last season which was uh which would have been a great uh a great uh a great finish the season i mean not mind about 12th place but i think that's something that you know we'll be looking to target you know finishing in the top 10 we've only finished in the top 10 once um in this uh, in this current uh, Premier League as it is, and that was under Tony Pulis, as it turns out, who uh, who was wasn't a particularly attacking-minded uh, manager, but managed to finish tenth in the season with him in charge was uh, was, was 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 something special to be quite honest. Um, to do it when we're playing good football like we are, um, or how what were last season, to follow that up, it's going to be a highlight to follow. It's, you know, there's no denying it. You know. Getting to the FA Cup semi-final was a uh, was a huge thing for us. Um, just couldn't get across the line to get to the final, um, but actually finishing 12th and, and never actually being in any danger last season was uh, was even more impressive. So I think Fat Palace fans are we know where we sit in the food chain. Um, I, I think clubs like Palace need to always have a one eye looking behind them because you know that's the position we're in. But actually, you know, can we follow the likes of Wolves and West Ham? Um, into into bigger and better things. Well, yeah, why not? Why why can't we? I mean, you know, the 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 actual the, the, the potential is there. You know, we're signing players of the right caliber, the right age group um, to excite and to actually win games and um, you know to do what we saw last season, go to City and and win. Like like you mentioned, you know, I'd, it's easy to forget that uh, you know with some tough games coming up. Palace have often in the past sprung surprises at some of these away grounds uh, from the top six sides. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past us uh, mm. in, in the slightest. But, um, but yeah, I, I think Palace fans are um, encouraged by uh, the new season, looking forward to how it pans out. And I think, yeah, I, I think there's a, it's always the same with Palace is that, you know, do we go and shoot ourselves in the foot by having a rubbish preseason, putting ourselves on the back foot, um, and then having to battle to get, you know, to get ourselves away from a, you know, from a difficult situation in a division? I'm hoping not. I think I think Vieira's got his head screwed on. He showed us last season, you know, how he adapts his tactics to the opposition. Um, I'm just hoping that the, the, we had a bit of an issue last season with defending set pieces, and that happened again on Friday. I'm hoping that uh, there'd be a, more, a bit more attention to that. Um, but again, first game of the season is difficult to, you know, to pick holes in it too much. Um, yeah, I, I think there's probably uh, it's pretty, it, there was a feel-good feeling coming into this season, um, but tempered a little, obviously, because of you know, because of who we are and uh, and where we've been before, I guess. But fans want the best for your for their club every club it is whoever it is and if we can uh, fans talk about qualifying to playing in Europe Palace have never played in Europe before 
and I'm not talking top four. I'm talking like grabbing a seventh or eighth spot, you know, to enter the Europa League or Conference League or whichever that might be. We're not we're not talking about you know finishing anywhere close to Champions League, but just a season to compete in Europe, like West Ham have been enjoying. You know, we've never had that, and I think Palace fans would absolutely love that, whether it's either for a cup or 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 a high place finish in 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 the Premier League. I think that would be the ultimate goal for us. Whether that's something that Vieira's striving for. To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he's a very, he's a very confident, uh, confident person. He will know our limitations, um, and it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall in, in some of those, uh, you know, uh, squad meetings that they have. But yeah, I think that'd be the ultimate aim: top ten finish. And you know, if we can, if we can compete in Europe uh, at some point, that'd be nice. But yeah. I think you just need to remember where you come from uh, and think about actually, yeah, it's another season in the Premier League. Um, yeah, we've seen the likes of what happened to Stoke, Sunderland, teams like that. Even, you know, even Man City have been down to League One. Leicester have been down to League One. Southampton, it's, you know, before you know it, um, you drop out of the Premier League, um, you know, with, without without much care and attention and a um, bit of a slippery slope. So I we're in the best position we have been for such a long time, I have to say, both the, the strategy of the club, the infrastructure and everything else around it and our actual plans for the future. Um, so, yeah, more of the same from last season, I would say. Entertaining season, no concerns about being anywhere near the bottom three and a cup run would be good. But, mm. you know, we enjoyed something like that last season. Um yeah, I mean, it, it was good because we were in a position towards the you know, towards the end of the year last year where we could actually challenge for a, a cup competition like the FA Cup because we were in a good place. Don't think we've been in that good place for a long time, so it allowed. And and to be fair, that the draw was kind to us until we got to the last four. <laughs> so um, yeah, if we won the semi final, would have been it would have been a difficult final, whoever it was in the final. So um, so yeah, I I think yeah. More of the same, please, I would say, uh, from Patrick. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you, you mentioned they're springing a surprise at top six grounds, which obviously is, we're uh, sort of strongly hoping that happens again. The Etihad, as I've already mentioned, just, just trying to manifest that, <laughs> just trying to manifest that by saying it. So, well, as not, often not as, I thought on Monday. Well, that, that, that's, yeah, that, this is the segue. I mean, I mean in, 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 that, in that guise, I mean, how do you expect... Vieira to approach uh, Monday's game at Anfield because obviously Liverpool didn't get the result they wanted um, mm. away to, to Fulham. I thought Fulham were very game, um, sort of very intense in their approach, but I think really it was a more case in my mind of uh, a number of Liverpool players um, appearing really off off the pace and maybe actually uh, giving Klopp some some thinking to do around the structure um, of that midfield, the structure of the team uh, in certain uh, in certain areas, looked, certain, looked a lot stronger, a lot more uh, coherent once uh, once Nunes came on. So, um, in terms of that game, I mean, how do you think um, Vieira is going to approach it? And again, is it, is it is it looked at as you know this is a free hit? We can go there. We should play our stuff and 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 believe we can get a result based upon what we've done before at other grounds. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe for a second that managers like Vieira would would consider any game a free hit. Mm. I think he's as competitive as the next person. You know, he he's as he he wants to strive to, you know, be as competitive. Well, he is as, as competitive yeah. as uh, as Jurgen Klopp. He, he's no different to what he was on the pitch. Mm. You know, no no ball is not worth challenging for mm. for for somebody like Vieira. And very competitive um, at Anfield last season as well. Should be said, I thought that was an interesting game before some of the goals actually went in. I think it was actually quite yeah. t- quite tight. 
it was tight. It was tight. A couple of mistakes and, you know, Liverpool 2 0 up, which, um, which probably just goes to show that, you know, hopefully we learn from that. I think Vieira will have looked at the, uh, the result against Fulham for you, you guys and, and looked to, to exploit some areas. Um, I, I think playing away from home at big clubs like, um, you know, Liverpool, City, you know, we've had results in the past because it almost plays into our hands a little bit. You know, there's a bit more room for some of our, players to play on the break, you know, it changes the dynamic a fair bit because obviously when you're playing at home, the onus is on yourself to, to break down the opposition and uh, and score goals. So when you're away from home and you've got the excitement and the pace in your side like we have, you know, I think we can threaten any side really, you know, if we play well and we play in a, in a structured manner. But on the break, you know, I think we can challenge a lot of teams and it's really down to that home side to, you know, to make sure they're, you know, they're, they're concentrating enough to actually uh, foil any 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 breaks, but um, we saw it at City last season. Uh, we 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 did a great job at City last season. You know, they didn't really they didn't pepper our goal. You know, to get back into that game as much as um, we expected. Obviously, they had a player sent off just for half time, which made a difference. But you know, that just goes to show that you know Palace had was it three chances, four chances in that game and scored twice. Um, so you've got to be, you know, got to be clinical. But on the flip side, at home against Arsenal, we had two chances. We we missed both. Had we got one of those, it would have changed the game. So it's, you know, I think that's what Palace need to get better at is taking those chances when they come their way. You know, we do get chances, but actually, you know, whether they're whether they're good chances or, or whether they're not, it's you know, it's actually having somebody on the end of those to, and being in the right place to put them in the back of the net. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't see these games as free hits anymore. I, I think we've we've learned that from the Premier League. Um, you know, any team can beat any team in the Premier League. I think that's what's what's so exciting about it. In that any team could just go to Anfield or go to City. And I'm not saying Liverpool lose every week at Anfield. Uh, far from it. But you know, these moments happen in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, these teams don't always get their own way. And you know what better time than the earlier part of the season? You know, we, we disappointed a little bit against Arsenal on Friday not, not hugely, but I think, you know, we, the players know that they could have been a bit better than they were. Um, and we'll want to make up for it on, uh, on Monday night at Anfield. Uh, and what better place to, what better place to do that? Probably none. Uh, Liverpool being the same boat, you know, got, got a disappointing draw at Fulham whenever we're expecting, you know, Liverpool playing a newly promoted side, uh, first game of the season, we're expecting Liverpool to get the result and uh, and start off the way City have really, um, and and start that challenge early early on in the season. Yeah, because it's going to be it's going to be a long old season, but you know you don't really want to be dropping points so soon. So yeah, Liverpool are in the same boat. I feel if Liverpool had lost that game against Fulham, I would probably feared for us a little bit more <laughs> for Monday because it would have been a very sore Liverpool side coming out and thinking right, you know, want to prove a point here. Could still be an element of that, but I think you know there'll be gaps. There'll be gaps and. Um, I'm hopeful that we can we can challenge those gaps and uh, and put on a performance at least to to get something out of the game. So I wouldn't put it past us in the slightest. Yeah, I w- I I wouldn't be surprised if they were quite sore. To be honest, I think there was there was a fair amount of criticism after that game actually for yeah. Um, yeah. a number of performances. And uh, mm. yeah, I th- I th- I think a couple of chickens came home to roost basically in terms of some things mm. that I think fans have sort of thought about for a while um, and um, certainly a lot of discussion around. Yeah, that midfield and just like, just, just who can function in, in, uh, in, in, in different roles. I think, yeah, to be, mm. to play as an eight, uh, in, in, in a Jurgen Klopp midfield is not the easiest thing in the world. So 
Um, yeah, I think it, yeah, it's it, very interesting to see how that develops. To be honest, and um, wouldn't be at all surprised if he if if, if he just stuck stuck with the same personnel. Tiago aside uh, for for the Palace game because yeah, he he can be like that sometimes. But um, obviously, Tiago's absence means that uh, it's probably likely. I imagine Cater Cater comes in for that. But uh, just one final question before before we wrap things up. I just wanted to ask you. I mean, what you've because uh, we are early in the season, the window's still open. I mean, what what have you made of other clubs' business? Have, have there been any signings that you thought oh, that's a nice one, or one that you're maybe going to put a little bit of a special attention to the to look out for as, as the season goes on? I don't. I don't think it's just been an exciting summer for signings, as um, perhaps um, you know, it's not been the massive clamour. I don't think as there have been no. in, in previous seasons. Um, to be honest, I think. I think for me the you know the two signings that excite me are um, Nunes for Liverpool and uh, and, and Haaland for City. I mean both 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 scoring. I mean I I've I've been to see Dortmund a few times um, and and seen Haaland play, seen him in real life, and he's just a, an incredible footballer. Um, you know, seen him do it for Dortmund, and um, I was looking forward to seeing him play um, in the Premier League. I think he's probably one of those most natural foreign strikers that. Can play in England if that, if that makes any kind of sense. A very very English playing striker, you know, he's strong, tough, uh, gets on the end of the ball when you don't think he's going to. You know, I, I just I always expected him to hit the ground running, uh, even after he got criticism after Community Shield. You know, any football fan knows that you know, yeah, one, once the season starts, he's going to prove a point, and, and he has already uh, at West Ham. Um, I was impressed with your guy when he came on, changed the game a little bit. Gave you a different mm. dimension, um, very different striker to um, to Harland's um, in 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 the way he plays. I mean, it it, it was a, I find it quite funny because he tried the very same trick literally two minutes before yeah. he scored that goal, <laughs> um, and the Fulham players just didn't didn't twig onto it. But I mean, what can you do in that situation? Very quick. Um, so I'm excited to see what else he brings to to Liverpool. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that like that Firmino's days as a starting striker um, are probably limited going forward as as he gets his as this Uruguayan gets his uh, you know his, his, his gets settled to Liverpool. But I think two really exciting players to come to the Premier League. Um, elsewhere, I, I think it's much of muchness to be honest. I mean, I think the Raheem Sterling. Uh, move to Chelsea is going to be intriguing. Mm. Um, Chelsea are making a lot of moves in the transfer market. There is a massive rumour the last 24 hours that Chelsea are in for Wilfred Zaha, which I'm not sure. Oh, really? I mean, if any, if any club's gonna, if any club's gonna pay the money that Palace want for him, might be Chelsea. It's going to be Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they seem to be throwing money left, right, and centre, which I didn't think they'd be doing again after <laughs> after the Abramovich era. But they seem to uh, seem to have bucket loads of it at Stamford. I heard they were so, signing Frankie de Jong as well. Yeah. So it seems like they're going to. Yeah, Frankie just... de Jong, Abamyang. I mean, I, I think it's easy for the media to pin names onto them now, isn't it? It's like pin the tail on a donkey at the moment. Mm. So um, yeah, it seems to be Chelsea of old um, coming to the fore again. Whether there's any strategy there, I don't really know. It doesn't seem to be any. I mean, them signing Gorilla for 60 million. I mean, is that guy worth 60 million? Probably not. I think Brighton fans would probably agree. Is he worth that much? They're probably, probably laughing all the way to the bank. Did Chelsea need him? You know, that's other question. So yeah, I, I think there is a little bit of a concern from Palace fans at the moment. When we're thinking that you know Wilf turns what thirty this year, later this year, um, you know if if he is given the opportunity to to go for one big club, 
before he retires or before he ends his career at Palace, then you know that that could tempt him away. Um, but on the flip side, saying that we're probably in the best place we ever have been to lose wealth. If it would have been three or four years ago, I'd have been very worried. But with the likes of Elise, Eze, Abue, and you know we've got some plenty of exciting players at the club now. Yeah, we're, uh, don't, I don't deny it would be, it'll be uh, such a sad thing to see him go. But because um, he had a great season last season, his best season, goal scoring season in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to watch that one with interest. But yeah, I, I think the two signs for me are the big money ones. You know, the two strikers for the two clubs that could challenge for the title. Uh, it's very interesting to. Yeah, to see the evolution of City, even you know, not that they really needed it after winning the title, but they've had a bit of an evolution there. Brought in a striker, uh, lost a few, a couple of other players, but um, but looking strong again. But yeah, those two strikers mm. really caught my eye. Obviously, paid a lot, paid a lot of money for them, but you know, if they um, they walk back the goals, we know that for a fact. Um, I think the other one is the, the signings at Tottenham. To be honest, yeah, um, they've been. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if they put in any kind of challenge it's going to be difficult um, but actually you know Conte is buying players for Chelsea for the now for the here and now rather than you know for a five year plan or something like that so I think that's an intriguing uh, project on the go at the moment whether they can challenge they started well of course against Hampton so yeah um, it's going to be an interesting season for sure I think so, yeah, and I think, um, yeah, as you mentioned, the contest Spurs with, um, I, 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 I just think in the end the, the dependency on Kane and Son might prove a little bit sort of a, a limiting factor for them, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think they're certainly going to be very competitive this season. I, I, I see them finishing above Arsenal, to be honest, but yeah, let's, um, let's see, let's see how that ends up. And Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't even hear the uh, the rumor around Wilf uh, moving to to Chelsea, and I'm fascinated by how they see that working out um, with mm. um, with the collection of players that they have. And uh, yeah. sure, there's plenty of wingers yeah. there who are thrilled about some of these <laughs> some of these incomings are uh, happening. I mean, there's a couple of players that are going to need to depart before the window ends if um, mm. if they carry well, on. So, but- they- yeah, yeah, you'd think so, but we'll yeah. wait and see. are going to have a great season, honestly. This, this time, all those loans, all those loans to Vitesse, <laughs> like four, four or five Champions League quality players making their way out to uh, to Vitesse. But anyway, Jay, thanks, thanks so much as usual for coming on for real uh, pleasure. Thank sharing you. your insight on Palace and uh, and 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 the positivity as well. I think it's it's not long ago that we were speaking about Palace, and it was a, sort of a different set of circumstances, despite sort of the fact that you know, clearly, as you mentioned. Hodgson did a job for the club when uh, they needed a job to be done and there was a in, in a in a precarious position so yeah really excited to see what Vieira can can achieve this season and yeah thanks again for coming on pleasure cheers and to all those who are listening um yeah this is another one yeah lots of games thick and fast at the start of the season um, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Rival Recon and I'll be back again of course for for the next game uh, which is just the small matter of a uh, a trip to Old Trafford um, to to really truly welcome uh, Eric Ten Hag to, to the Premier League. Let's hope. Uh, last time round at Old Trafford, uh, we had, we had a pretty effective way of emptying the stadium. Let's hope it's a, a similar a similar kettle um, a similar case this time round. But uh, of course, there'll be another rival recon ahead of that show um, coming out next week. So uh, yeah, do stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, check out all the other great content on Anfield and Next Pro, and we'll be back again next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
there's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.